Good evening. Today is Monday, September 20th, 2021, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is how it works, and we're going to be focusing on step three. And our speaker tonight is Melissa G. from Virginia. Thank you, Melissa. Hi, I'm Melissa G, binge eater. I'm gonna just say a little prayer first, higher power. Please help free me from worry and fear and get out of my selfish insecurity that I'm not enough and let me be open to hear what I need to say from you and to be useful to others. Thy will, not mine, be done. And I, my higher power is like my backpack. So I always kind of just put my backpack on when I'm going somewhere. So she's on me right now. Okay, so just uh, as a qualification, I've been in and out of the rooms for 12 years. Um, I never understood what OA actually was. I just thought it was a diet program with group support. And I didn't like that they used the word God. It freaked me out and it kept me away for a bit. And then eventually I was desperate enough and I found out about what the big book was and um, that I could call God good early direction or my higher power or HP. Um, and then I read word for word with the sponsor, the 12 steps. But then I actually went through the 12 steps several times because I'm an addict <laughs> and I wouldn't do the 12 step or I'd give up after the fourth. If someone told me, you know, read it and get back to me, I'm not going to get back to you. Um, so anyway, I also wouldn't give up my yellow light foods, so my allergy would always get triggered, and then I would be off and running. Or I just thought, like, I'm just a hard drinker. I'm not a real alcoholic, so I'm kind of too good for you guys, <laughs> and I don't need all of this God stuff, and I wasn't willing to do the work until I did really need to do the work, and I did. Um, and then believing in a higher power. So I'm here to talk about the third step, which is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him, understood him. So anyway, as I was um, asked last night to do this, um, and of course my first answer was gonna be no, but I wanted to be of service, so I'm here, and I was pulling out my OA 12 and 12, and my A 12 and 12, and all my big books, and listening to speakers on the third steps, and. Um, so you're just going to get a mixture of all of this. It's going to be a plethora of information. Um, so I was listening to one of my favorite speakers talk about step three. So some of the stuff you're going to hear today um, are probably from her. <laughs> anyway, how it works, the beginning of the chapter um, on page 60 of the big book, it says ABC, and it summarizes that. A that we are alcoholic and could not manage our own lives, drunk or sober. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. So it's not saying anything about God. Are we convinced that no human power could relieve our compulsive overeating? And that's the default of needing a higher power. And let's see that God could and would if she were sought. So step three is God could and would if she was sought. So, that's the decision to seek the higher power. So I need to learn to turn my life over and my will to God. Um, but I didn't realize that I was always stuck in the one, two, three dance and it kept going round and around and I never really moved on. But then finally, 
like the jackpot phrase for me was as we understood. And then when I just kept thinking about that, that was like my key that I could use to open the door ever so slightly to let my higher power in. And then on page 34 of the AA 12 and 12, it says, this is the way to a faith that works. Faith alone can avail us nothing, but the AA program will rest upon how well we have earnestly tried to come to a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him, that we can cut away the self-will, which has always blocked the entry of HP. And I felt comfort in knowing that all I had to do was pick up a key to willingness and higher power responds. The problem was I'm an addict, like I said, and I don't think about giving up my control or the wheel to my higher power because I'm way too busy controlling life. I think I know what's best for my kids or my wife or my ex-husband. And on page 61, it says, is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? One good look in the mirror are to be answer enough. We are right and you are wrong. Self-righteously imposes its will upon the rest. The sum of all this mighty effort is less peace than before. But I didn't see it that way. And I just kept getting sicker and sicker. And then I would get upset over stuff and politics or people not doing what I thought was best. And I can't see the whole plan. I'm just a human being. I've heard it said that we can only see out of the keyhole of the knob, which really isn't a lot, or just one piece of the puzzle that may look like all dark and scary and we have no idea what the whole puzzle is gonna look like in the end. Maybe that dark, scary piece of the puzzle is like the nose of an adorable puppy. I don't know. So when I think I know what's best, I really don't because I can't see the whole picture. So I need to let go and let higher power take over. An example has happened two times already with my older daughter and finding her a high school when we moved to Richmond and the college for after. The high school that I wanted for her, she needed to apply to. It was a specialty center in a public school. And um, when we were moving and I told her about it, she didn't even like the specialty part, but I knew what was best. And I told her she had to apply. It's beautiful, new school. It'll be smaller classes. Um, I just knew this would be the right fit for her. And then she didn't get in. And I sat in my car bawling alone. How could my baby not get into this school? And now she has to go to this huge public school and it's right by her house. And it's gonna be so scary for her coming from like this really small private middle school that we moved to this new town and she's not gonna know anyone. And so I thought, well, she plays a trumpet. I'll encourage her to do marching band. Um, and I know I would never have encouraged her to do marching band if she went to the specialty center because I thought that she would have been fine. So she applied, she tried in up for the marching band, she got in it, and that was like the best part of her high school. Four years, amazing experience because of marching band, and then chose a college that has a marching band. So when I look back at myself, like hysterically crying in the car, like a lunatic, if someone was walking by me, a lunatic that my baby didn't get into the school. I didn't know what was best for her. And higher power had a different idea and I didn't know it at the time. Anyway, on page 62, it says in the big book, whatever our protest protestations are, 
not most of us are concerned with ourselves. We're concerned our resentments or our self-pity. Understandably, all about me. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that is what we think is the root of our problems. So then in 2015, I wanted what I wanted and I was in so much pain and in self. And then like from 2015 until 2020, because of politics, mind you, like I never paid attention to politics pre-2015. I was completely ignorant. I mean, it's embarrassing, but I just wasn't. That just wasn't what I was interested in. And I felt safe, but then I felt completely fearful and angry and self-seeking and full of resentment. And there was no room in my life for any higher power to come in and believe me of any of this. So I was talking to my sponsor and she said to me, if you are able to be neutral around food, can you let your higher power in? Can you see a way to let your higher power come and take away these difficulties and anger so you have a way to help others? And I had a really hard time with this. I, I didn't believe there was any way to let go of all of this fear I had. It was dark and scary and ugly and it was killing me. And I just always thought once my food was down, I'd be on easy street, but it wasn't. Like things were worse with all of this anger. I was so into self and miserable and driven by fear that nothing else mattered. So as we were working on step three, I like cracked the door a little to see what all this higher power stuff would be like in this part of my life. And it led me to page 417 of the big book, acceptance was the answer. And I was like, oh, there is no way I can accept any of this. And I read it over and over again. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I'm disturbed, it's because I find some person, place or thing or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world, as what needs to be changed in my attitudes. That's and terrible. maybe if I was in charge, I would do things differently, but I'm not, and I don't know better. So I couldn't keep all this anger inside of me and be useful to others. So I had to take action like I did with my food plan, but for social media this time. And I cut out the news and political conversations for a while because it was only keeping me sick in my disease. And I realized I'm not a normal eater. I need a food plan. And I'm not a normal member of society. So I can't get upset like other people and just move on or I'll spiral full of hate. So there's great news because if you go to page 62, it says, so our troubles we think are basically of our own making. So if I have the ability to change how I react to life, then I can experience peace. So no one else in my life needs to change in order for me to experience peace. So saying the third step prayer and really feeling it helped me to let go and to let higher power be in charge. I don't know the outcome of the puzzle, but I'm putting it together one piece at a time. I'm becoming less interested in myself and more interested in seeing what I can contribute to life as a new power flows in and as I enjoy peace of mind. As I discover I can face life successfully, I begin to lose my fear. 
In the AA 12 and 12, it says, in all times of emotional disturbance or indecision, we can pause, ask for quiet, and in the stillness simply say, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will not mine be done. So this happened the other day. I was walking my dogs peacefully in my neighborhood and I saw this political sign that doesn't align with my beliefs and a feeling of pure hatred came over me. And I had to remember to quit playing God because my first thought was very ugly, not a nice thought. And that was the first thought I would get sometimes to a response to a text that I would get, an uncomfortable text from someone. I would text them back. I always called it a trigger text. And my sponsor told me when I would do that um, to pause and wait before sending it. So when I was out walking my dog and I saw the sign and I went to my higher power for guidance and inspiration and I heard this. Take this into consideration that this nice family believes this political candidate is the best choice. And who am I to say or judge or represent or resent them for their different beliefs? It was simple. And that was it. There was no chatter in my head. And I recently heard a speaker saying that higher power is direct and clear. And myself is loud and full of chowder, chowder. <laughs> Chatter, I don't even like chatter, chatter. And I want a contented, useful life. So there was no struggle, as it says in the OA 12 and 12, page 25, that was it. And then I went for my walk alone. I dropped my dogs off, I walked alone and I'm walking up this hill and I start laughing because around me was this beautiful rainbow surrounding me up the hill. Like literally I took my glasses off. because so I was like, maybe it's like a reflection of my glasses. And then I took a picture to make sure I could see it. And it wasn't, it was like higher power it was literally just surrounding me saying, see, you don't have to feel this anger and hate and resentment, let go, it's okay. I've got you. So I just refixed my higher power backpack and I kept on walking. I had this poem or someone had given me something, some of my favorite let go to let go, and I'm just gonna read a couple of them. Is the timer, did she say anything yet? Anytime, anytime? Yes, I said a 10 minute warning and now you have four minutes left oh. before your two minute warning. To let go, to let go is to admit powerlessness, which means the outcome is not in my hands. To let go is to fear less and live more. To let go is not to nag, scold or argue but to search out my own shortcomings and to correct them. To let go is not to enable, but to allow learning from natural consequences. To let go is not to judge, but to allow another to be a human being. And to let go is to not to try to change or blame another, only change myself. And I'm gonna end with a third step prayer, which is God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Believe me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. I pass. Thank you so much, Melissa.
Okay, uh, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine, if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order. With the timekeeper, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up. Okay. First, we have Amy B. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, everybody doing service. Thank you, Melissa G, for your service tonight. That was so wonderful. You adjusting your higher power backpack. I'm, I'm keeping that. I'm keeping that. That was beautiful. Um, I loved, I love, I loved hearing you share. Thank you so much. The dark spot of the picture, maybe the nose of a puppy. I loved that because I really, I was just on outreach with somebody recently. And I was talking about like how I've learned to sort of like laugh when I, when I overdo something, you know, when I, when I, it, it's, it's, it's lighter than it used to be those moments. And that's, and that's what we made me think of. Um, and when you talked about crying like a lunatic, oh my gosh, can relate. Um, and, uh, you know, I was thinking about it and it's like that, 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 that moment is because it should have gone another way. It should have been different. And, um, I, I was on another outreach call recently where I was talking about, and I, I'm sorry, I, I have to Google this so I could speak with some like knowledge, but I believe that there is a language in which there is no word for should. It just doesn't exist because it's not reality because it is, it, it is literally a, a brick wall of stopping you. And how often in my disease, in my insanity, do I willingly head face first into the brick wall of should, which is the opposite of acceptance is the answer. And thank you so much for taking us to that too, because I can find no serenity until I accept that that per person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be. There is no should, there only is what is. And, um, and yeah, that, that, I thought of that. And um, I just want to also thank you for the, the letting go things. And I, I would love to, to actually have those uh, at some point, if, if you would share those with me, I'm going to listen to the recording again, but um, especially the one not to enable, but to allow learning from natural consequences. That's been a challenge for me. Um, in my life. And it's one of the things that this program has most helped me to learn how to do. And when I hear that resonating in the voice of another fellow, I am reminded that once again, this program works and, um, and we find such beautiful fellowship in it. Um, thank you, Melissa. I love you. Um, I pass.
Subin. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for your service. And um, yeah, thank you for stepping up like last minute um, to you know speak for us. I I'm really grateful um, to have heard you um, speak um, on step three. I just I felt like my higher power spoke directly through you. <laughs> so I've been having a lot of struggles today and I wrote some inventories and did some exercises my sponsor suggested about trusting God and letting go of what I want, right? Because um, I, I don't know what God's will is and you know God's will will be better than what I can imagine. It may not be what I want. But, you know, I, have to, I guess it's like letting go of a way, someone said, and like, being okay with either or of the outcomes that God will take care of me no matter what. And yeah, that's, that's you know, that's, that's hard, but I love that um, your example of your daughter of um, yeah, how you were like bowling because she didn't get into the school you wanted and you thought that would be the best for her, but it actually, yeah, she ended up going into marching band and that ended up being like the highlight of her high school and her even college too. So yeah, I, you know, I, I love that, that, you know, we don't know what the outcome of the puzzle is, but you know, I'm just putting one piece of the puzzle at a time. And yeah, thank you. you know, thank you, Melissa. Thank you for your share. Victoria W. Hey, that's me. Thanks. <laughs> um, hey, everybody. Victoria W. Recovered muscle overeater and insulin manipulator back again. Um, okay. I'm just going to be really real with you guys and talk about something that literally happened as I was sitting here. So I, as I was sitting here and, you know, in the scheme of things, in the scheme of things I've been through in my life, is it that big of a deal? No, it's not. But to me, everything is a drama. Everything is a crisis. Everything like my life is the, the climax of the plot. Like that's where I, that's where I like to rest. <laughs> um, but I got an email from my boss saying, so last week my boss asked us what we, like how they could be a better manager. And I was like, this seems like a trick question. Like this seems like it's going to go poorly. And I just was like, okay, what, you know what? It's not my job to be my boss. It's not my job to decide what my boss wants me to say. It's my, my boss is allowed to be the boss however she wants to. And I just have, like for me, which is a big thing instead of me being like, well, I think you're a great manager and I don't need any, I, you know, what do I need to do better? And, you know, and I just said, you know what, working remotely has been great, but because I have never met any of these coworkers in person, I find it hard to read people. And so I might appreciate some more often feed, you know, some more frequent feedback. And I thought, oh, thanks God. Thank you for that. that I don't even know where that came from, but that was great. Thank you for helping me getting through that. And I just had an email, you guys, that said, you need to choose, like everybody needs to choose two of your peers to give you feedback once a quarter. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. I was like, I don't want to choose people I work with to give me feedback. Like I, I would rather it all just be anonymous and like very smooth. And then I maybe an email that I don't even have to open. So I never ha even have to read it if I'm not feeling up for it. Um, so that that cycle still happened while I was sitting here and I'm not like, I'm not loving admitting that I was multitasking during this meeting, but it's the truth. And the thing is that the crisis cycle is so much faster than what it used to be for me. And that's how I know that this program works. So like, it's not that 
my craziness. It's not, I didn't, I, I tell people a lot, like there's no lobotomy that I got as a part of the 12 step process. Like I still have this crazy brain, but like I cycled through the, Oh, I don't want to choose people. Who should I choose? Maybe I should choose that person, whatever. Maybe I'll, and then I thought, you know what? Kind of doesn't matter right now. Kind of doesn't matter. And you know what? I'll turn this over and I'll say, all right, you know, maybe I'll invite my higher power into who should I choose? Like even I'm, you know, cause I used to think, oh, that's dumb. Like, why should I invite my higher power into something as dumb as who, which two out of four people do I want to choose? But like, no, that's what my higher power wants me to call on them for. Like they want me to, you know, um, like be engaged with the small, thank you, Nancy, I'll wrap up. They want me to be engaged with the small decisions and the big ones. Um, and now I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to sleep really well tonight instead of ruminating over this, like for the next 48 hours. And that's how I know that turning my life over, um, you know, progress, not perfection, but here we are, we're doing it. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Victoria W. We now have Laura MK and then Carmela, <clears throat> and then I'm going to share and then Aaron B. Hi all. Um, I'm Laura, compulsive overeater. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing. I loved it. It was amazing. Um, and it brought up something for me that I was writing about during my eight-step eight work and forgiveness today, which was um, my mother, because um, during the four years that you mentioned, um, we couldn't talk to each other. <clears throat> we were such on opposite sides of a spectrum that like, it was just better if we didn't talk. And so there was already a lot of built up resentments there. Um, but then she had a stroke and she would repeat these things that she would hear on the news, like over and over and over again. Like she did that before, but it got worse after the stroke and started to realize and I just saw like how fragile she was how she couldn't walk as well anymore and she was like she was like becoming like a child again and it made me see her differently you know that she is very spiritually sick and it made me feel a lot of compassion for her Whereas before I just, I couldn't even look at her. I was so mad, you know, and it just, that, that, I mean, it shouldn't have had to take that for me to see it, but it was glaringly obvious when it happened that I was just like, oh, I can't be mad at her. She's just like this, like innocent person, you know, that doesn't, that believes something that I don't believe and that's not fair. So, um, there was a lot of forgiveness there. Um, I didn't say it, <laughs> but um, I felt it. So it changed things. Um, so that's what it brought up for me. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Laura. Next is Carmela. Hi everyone, I'm Carmela. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. Um, it's my first time at this meeting. My sponsor actually recommended that I come. So here I am. I'm going to lower my hand. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. So great to be here. <clears throat> I'm uh, not going to currently to any book studies in OA, and that's really, I think, um, not good. 
And I'm very familiar with the big book through other programs. Thank you, so friendly. Um, and you know, I've been struggling really hard this last, I'd say nine months, maybe a year um, with a bunch of things regarding food and body image. And um, there've been a couple of really big traumas in my life this last year and um, not even the pandemic, <laughs> but it, I just, you know, reading the stuff on acceptance, it's like, it's interesting because I think that I'm pretty good at like turning my life and my will over, but just not my body image and my food. Like, I think I'm turning food over, but this for me that because of the bulimia part, you know, body image stuff, I'm just like, I can't give that up. And it's like this part on acceptance, um, some fact of my life, you know, it, that I can find no serenity until I, ex I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be. And I just think, oh, I don't do that with my body. You know, um, I've been in, I guess, perimenopause. I had some stuff with food earlier in the year where I was comfort eating. And I just, you know, I, anyway, it was scary. I think it scared me. Gaining weight scared me. Um, I've lost a little weight, but I'm wanting to control it. And I need to nourish myself. I need to not do this in a way that's like messed up. Um, so I guess, um, you know, it's funny that I think like I'm good at like turning, you know, other things over, but not this. I feel like it should be the other way around. But, you know, I have a really dear uh, person in my life who's um, kind of a mom. And I lost my own mother when I was five. And this woman, I'm her like medical person. And she was a mentor of mine. And she's going through Parkinson's. And it's horrific to watch her. And, you know, I think a lot of my, you know, I know from my past that a lot of my major food behaviors come when there's a major like a big trauma like when my son was born and he had special needs and I didn't know he had special needs I just knew something was weird and you know so I started using you know wanting to lose weight because that's what I know how to do you know and so um I feel like that's happening now it'd be easy for me to look back on this period and go duh like you know um so I really want to uh I don't know I just feel like it's been very uh nourishing um I use that word like, well, you know, like, I mean, to hear this, this stuff. And I think it's, it's really going to help me to be at a book study. So I'm going to come back. Thank you. Thank you, Carmela. Um, I'm going to share next. I'm going to lower my hand. Um, I'm Stephanie S. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic in Florida. Um, I really, um, didn't really want to share tonight, but I'm going to, because I want to be honest. Um, this past weekend, I decided that I did not need to ask for higher powers guidance or because I was, I knew best and decided to follow my own will, um, went to a wedding and decided that it would be okay to have one glass of champagne, which then led to, it's okay to have one bite of the appetizer. And you can kind of guess where this went. So essentially, I lost my abstinence after 75 days on Saturday. Um, my first inclination was to lie about it, to not tell my sponsor, to not tell any of my fellows. I, my, my brain told me no one's going to know. So just, just lie about it. Just hide it. I did some directed thinking. My sponsor uses that term, and I love it. Um, what is the next right step? Um, and the next right step, what came, to me, what came to me, I believe from higher power is to be honest. Um, so I was honest with my sponsor today. 
been honest with some of the fellows um, via text and via phone. And now I'm being honest at, at the meeting with you guys. Um, so essentially that's all I wanted to say. Um, and it's just another reminder to me that I need a higher power and um, I can't do this on my own. Thank you guys. And next we'll have Aaron B. And we're going to take a quick break right now because we are going to now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. With the Zoom host, please stop the recording. And after that, then Aaron can proceed. Thank